amigas. I'm Holly Beck, and it's time for Second Breakfast, a podcast by Surf with Amigas. We are big fans of Second Breakfast. It's that time during our retreats when we sit around the table, usually after surf, and have engaging discussions about life, current events, and of course, all things surfing. We aim to inspire, empower, and educate while connecting to a community of women surfers through storytelling. Hey, amigas. This week's podcast for Second Breakfast that we will release on Thursday features former Surf with Amigas instructor Delia Benz-Kang, who is a big wave surfer, even if she doesn't always identify as such. And in our conversation, she shares a story of a very large wave that she rode last winter in Todos Santos. And interestingly, as she was telling me the story and the wipeout that resulted, I will not spoil it for you, but you'll have to listen to the episode. But as she was telling me about it, it brought to mind a similar experience that I had. And it is a, the biggest wave that I rode in my career, which also resulted in the gnarliest wipeout that I ever had in my life. And I thought about that wave in one way for much of my life, really, since it happened in the last, you know, it's been a while, it's been about 20 years. And I had this idea about what happened that once I learned about the nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system and how it all works, it changed my whole perspective on what happened. And I suggested to Delia, if maybe that is what had happened to her. And she was like, Oh, what, you know what, maybe you're right. So I'm going to share the story of what happened for me on the biggest wave and biggest wipeout of my life. And also the lesson that I learned around giving myself grace in understanding my nervous system. First, let's talk about set and setting. So we are talking about the year 2000. I was in college. I was 20 years old and I had only been surfing for about five years. And I was a, uh, I was a quick learner and I was already a professional surfer. I was getting paid to surf. I had sponsors and all of that. And it was in the early days of women surfing really on an upward trajectory. And there was a brand new magazine called Surfing Girl Magazine that was put out by Surfing Magazine that was about to be launched. And they wanted to take a trip where they got a bunch of cover shots that they'd be able to use over the first year of the magazine. So they put a group together with a photographer called Jim Rusi, who I had known since I first started surfing. We were from the same town and he selected the crew, which ended up being myself and my hero in surfing at the time, which is Rochelle Ballard and a Hawaiian server named Megan Abubo and another Californian that I knew, Jody Nelson. And the four of us got to go to Tahiti with the goal of getting cover shots. So again, I've been surfing for five years. I'm 20 years old. I have traveled a bit, but not a whole lot. And I grew up in Southern California, which is not known for its giant waves. Um, so the idea of going to Tahiti was definitely intimidating. Um, especially thinking about going with basically my ultimate hero, Rochelle Ballard, who at the time was one of the gnarliest women's big wave surfers, especially when it comes to hollow waves. So I was like very, very excited and also very, very nervous. 
So we get to Tahiti and, you know, the first couple of days, the waves aren't really that great. And it was my first time surfing over reef like that, where, you know, it's this like super clear water and this like bright, colorful reef. And it's on these reef passes that are way away from land. So all of the things that I knew about surfing, about, you know, finding something on the beach to be your lineup marker, like all of that's out the window. And I remember the, the surf guide telling me, oh yeah, you got to like look down and find a spot on the reef that you can see through the water and that's your marker and have that be like this mind blowing thing that it's not something on the beach. It's actually something that I can see underwater that I'm going to use to line up with. So the first couple of days, yeah, I definitely felt out of my comfort zone and, but I was trying to play cool because I'm here with my hero on this like photo shoot for Surfing Girl magazine to get cover shots. It was just all very overwhelming, but I'm, I'm trying to keep it cool. And we look on the forecast and there's this giant swell coming. Um, and so the, the swell comes in. And the first day of the swell, we go out to Chopo, which is that big, gnarly, hollow left Tahiti wave that you've seen in videos. And keep in mind, this is 2000. So this is the very early days of toe surfing. Toe surfing is brand new. It's very exciting. It's this big deal. It's not like now where like everybody toe surfs. It's not that big a deal. And actually now paddle surfing is cooler because, you know, the culture just goes up and down, right? This was in the like early days of like toe surfing was like, the frontier of surfing. And we go out and we watch Peter Mel and some of these other gnarly big wave guys towing it at Chopo. And I think the first day we spent like eight hours in the channel, just getting sunburned and seasick from all the diesel fumes, but also blown away by watching these enormous waves. And then I think the next day this well was still big. It was too big for us to surf. And we ended up going and surfing this like silly little beach break on the other side of the Island. That wasn't very photogenic. And the trip's only 10 days and we're now like halfway through and we really haven't gotten a lot of footage. So there's the photographer and the people who are paying for us to be there are under all this pressure. And so I remember the photographer saying, okay, girls, we're going to tow in. And Rochelle was very enthusiastic in my memory because at the time, the only woman who had done toe and surfing was Lane Beachley, who was world champ at the time, multi-time world champ, as I recall. And she had towed in with her partner, Ken Bradshaw in Hawaii, but no other women had. And Rochelle, who is, you know, as competitive as anyone, she was like so excited that now she was going to get her chance to tow in. And I'm pretty sure the rest of us were terrified. I can't speak for the others, but I know I for sure was terrified. And so they took us out that day and we went to this, this right that was not hollow. It was actually pretty mushy and it really like didn't require towing in, but the goal was to just get us used to the technique of, you know, standing up on your board, being pulled by the rope, when to let go, all of that. So we did like a little training session. And then the next morning, the plan was to go out and get the shot in these gnarly waves. So first we go by Chopo and it was too crowded and so they're like oh yeah yeah let's go to this other wave so there's this other secret wave that i won't name which is just around the corner and it's just like chopo except not as perfect well if it's a big wave i want that thing to be perfect 
So as they're telling this, I'm like, oh my God, it's not as perfect, but it's just as big and just as gnarly. Oh my God. So it looks just like Topo. Imagine this like big hollow reef break left in the most gorgeous water you can imagine. And this is what we pulled up to. There's nobody out. We watched the first set and, you know, without that reference point of a surfer on there, it's kind of hard to tell, like, how big is it? I mean, it looked very big. And again, I was absolutely terrified. I remember I had drank this like orange soda that's like very common in Tahiti and I could like feel it like bubbling up in my stomach. And Rochelle goes first and the, the photographer goes, okay, so I have this life vest and you can wear it if you want, but it won't look as good in photos. So unless you really want to wear it, I don't think you should wear it. It basically like, don't wear it, which is crazy because now, you know, safety is sexy. Like all the big wave surfers, whether they're towing or paddling, they're wearing life preserving devices, whether it's like CO2 or oxygen canisters or flotation devices. They've got flotation in their thighs. They've got it in their chest, all of this, but this was the very early days. And at that point it wasn't cool. So the photographer is going here, you can wear this life saving device if you like, but I don't think you should. It does it won't look good. So Rochelle's like, nah, I'm not gonna wear it. So she goes first. And the guy, his name is Poto. He's this like legendary Tahitian guy. Um, he whips her in on the first wave and she's backside and she takes off and she grabs her rail. And I have this like very clear image in my head of her grabbing rail. And the wave just completely takes her out. She's too deep. It's a huge wave. It takes her out. I can't even remember if she was in the barrel or not. I just remember, oh my God, my hero, one of the best female surfers in the world, especially in big waves, has just gotten completely taken out. And she takes the next few waves on the head and the ski finally gets to her and it comes and like drops her off in the boat and she's like coughing up seawater. And she's like, oh my God, that was definitely the gnarliest wipeout I've ever had in my life. And they're like, okay, Grom, which was me, Holly, it's your turn. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Right. But you know what? I'm going to wear the life vest because I don't want to die. And at this point I just, I'm survival is my goal. I don't care about looking cool right now. I just want to survive, but I feel like I have to do this because I'm a pro surfer and here I am with all these, I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to do this thing I'm supposed to do and I want to do it kind of, but I don't want to die. So I will wear the life vest. Thank you very much. So I go out there and you know, the, what I saw from what Rochelle did was she just let go of the rope too soon. She was too deep on the reef and I was not going to make that mistake. So I get, you know, my first wave and I hold onto the rope like much longer. So by the time I let go, I'm essentially on the shoulder and it's this big, soft, easy, beautiful wave that's probably barreling behind me, but not nowhere near where I am. And I'm like, wow, like this is incredible. It felt so good. It was so pretty. Like the rush of adrenaline felt amazing. You know, I successfully rode a wave and ended up in the channel. The ski driver came and picked me up and took me out and I got another wave. Maybe that time I let go of the rope a little bit sooner and had another awesome ride and kick out of the channel again. Everybody's cheering. He's like, okay, one more. I get one more. Now I'm like gonna let go a little bit earlier. And again, it's toe and surfing is actually really easy because the hardest thing about big wave surfing is paddling into the wave 
and it's dodging the big waves that you don't catch, right? It's like paddling for one, not getting it. You turn around and here's a giant wave that takes you out. Like those are the things that are hard about big wave surfing. The actual like riding of the wave. Now I get sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta be confident and you gotta keep your center of gravity low. Yes, but these were like perfect waves in the sense that it was nice and glassy. There was no wind issue and the ski is towing you in. So you are up and riding with plenty of speed very secure. And then you let go of the rope and then you're basically just going straight to kicking out into the channel. So I did it a few times, great success. And then it's somebody else's turn. So I go back to the boat and I can't remember who went after me, but whoever it was, was like, I'm not wearing the vest because you know, Holly didn't wipe out. So I'm just going to be safe too. So Jody and Megan went and they both had very similar sessions to mine where they did not wipe out. They did not wear the vest. And then Rochelle went again and she was much more conservative this time, understandably so. I don't even really remember her waves necessarily. All I remember was that I was hoping I was going to get another chance because I didn't want to be the only one wearing the life vest in the photos. So here we go. It's, it's now my turn to go again. And I'm like, I don't want to wear the vest. So I leave the vest in the boat and I go out there. And by now the tide has dropped a little bit. And maybe the waves got a little bit bigger. I don't know. But definitely my confidence was way up because now it seemed like, okay, Rochelle's wipeout was, that was the anomaly. You know, what we're doing out here is we're making waves and we're getting the shot and we're going to be on the cover. And like, they're also filming video and this is incredible. And this is this groundbreaking women tow in session. The first time that an all women group has gone and towed in these gorgeous waves in Tahiti. And like, I've got like stars in my eyes. Like, this is a big deal. I can't believe I'm getting to do this. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity with my heroes. It's just like, wow. And so I'm sitting there and here comes a wave. And this time I let go of the rope a little bit sooner, or maybe it was that the tide had dropped. I don't know, but whatever the case was, I was up and riding and the whole thing comes up and over me, I get barreled. The wave curls over me. I see that like only a surfer knows the feeling vision of the beautiful mountains of Tahiti through this crystal clear almond, you know, hole of water. I'm in the barrel, the sound of it, everything time slows down. I'm in there like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's like this peak moment in my surf life, but the wave closes out. So I don't find the exit, but I'm fine. I, pop right up. I didn't get worked at all. There was no pain. There was no anxiety. There was no stress. It was pure bliss. It was all good. Everyone is cheering like crazy. I was in the barrel. And so the guy comes and picks me up photo and he says, that was sick. Yeah. Okay. You want to come out of one? You got to get a bigger one. And I was just like, my adrenaline, my confidence is just through the roof. I am invincible. I am a superstar. I am having the best day of my life. Nothing can go wrong. Everything is fabulous. I'm ready. I am going to get one just like that. I'm going to do the exact same thing, but I'm going to get a slightly bigger one and I'm going to come out and I am just going to be the absolute heroine of the day. This is my plan. So he's pumping me up. The crew in the boat is pumping me up. I'm feeling as pumped up as I could possibly be as I've ever been. And I'm like, yeah, it's on, it's on. So we go sit outside to wait. So I'm sitting on my board. I've got the, the rope there. 
and he is kind of sitting side saddle on the ski and he's you know giving me yeah just do the same thing just you know just let go and bottom turn and pull up into it just like he just did but i'm gonna get you a bigger one this one you're gonna come out of and i was like sick yeah it's on and then he starts rolling a joint now again context i'm 20 years old I have recently been a Christian. I have smoked weed at that point in my life, but not regularly. I don't do it all the time. I've only done it a couple of times. I know that when I did smoke weed, I was very incapacitated. I was not able to make good choices. I pretty much just wanted to eat McDonald's hamburgers and laugh a lot. And here, this guy who has my life in his hands is getting high. I started tripping. I was like, oh my God, no. He, I can't believe he is smoking marijuana. This is unacceptable. This is not safe. I start getting in my head about what's wrong with this. And then he's got the joint hanging out of his mouth. And he's like, okay, get ready, get ready. And I look out to see, and I just see these lines. There is a giant set coming. I can see the big long period swells coming in my direction. There are four or five of them. And I've already freaked out. I'm already like that whole invincible feeling that I had like five minutes before is completely gone. Now I'm like, I can't believe he's smoking marijuana. He's high and I'm in this life and death situation and, and he's high. That's I couldn't get it out of my head. And so he's like, get ready, get ready. And so I, I'm, I'm in it right now. I'm committed. I'm not like, no, you're high. I'm not going. So I'm up and standing on my board, getting pulled by the ski and he starts to do a loop. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, he, he's going to wait until one of the later waves. We're not going to go on the first wave because if we go on the first wave and the same thing that happened to me on the last one happens, like the wave closes out, I'm going to pop up to the rest of that set on the head. No, no, we're, we're not going on the first wave, but guess what? Yeah, he's going on the first wave because I mean, that's going to be the best way. That's going to be the hollowest way. But in that moment, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. This is where I die because he's high. We're going on the first wave. And if I don't make it, I'm going to take all those other waves on the head. So in my head, I'm already thinking about failure. So, you know, he whips me in. I have all the speed. I let go of the rope. I do the bottom turn and pull up into the center of the wave, just like I did on the wave before. But now, Instead of this like nice, beautiful, light, little clear curtain folding over me with the beautiful mountain in the view. Now it looks like the entire ocean is folding over me. I remember very clearly the look of this bowl bending at me that, as I said, it looked like the entire ocean was rearing up to fold over my head. And I'm there in ninja stance on my little 6'4 step-up surfboard with no safety vest on. I see the whole thing fold over me. And I freeze. I literally just went into panic mode. And I just kind of crumbled into the wave face. And, and there was this moment of like, I'm okay. I'm suspended in the face of the wave and everything is fine. And then I went up and over the falls. And honestly, I only remember like very like flashes, flashes of, of memory that I have. I, I have the, the memory of like what I was thinking before the wave. I remember seeing the vision of the ocean about to fold over me and swallow me. And I, I remember the moment of like, momentary safety in the lip 
And then I remember how long it took me to fall. I mean, that was really one of the things that really has stuck with me was like, this is such a big wave that me going over the falls with the lip, it took so long, such a long time that I was falling, 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 falling. I don't really remember the impact. I didn't hit the reef. I know I was deep underwater and I like reach around for my leash. It's dark. I don't even know if I open my eyes, but I'm trying to figure out which way is up. And I climbed up my leash to get to the surface. <gasps> I took this deep breath. And then the next one took me out. I just kind of half like ducked under and just got rolled. And then again, I'm climbing up my leash and then there's the ski. And he's like, take off your leash, take off your leash and dive. And I was like, oh, hell no. My leash is what got me to the surface. There's no way I'm taking my leash off right now. I think I took one or two more waves before the ski could finally get to me. And then he was like, if you had taken off your leash, I could have gotten to you sooner. Where was that safety talk in the beginning? Like, this is where we needed the safety talk. Number one, it's totally cool and actually very safe. And in fact, you should all wear the safety vest. And number two, if you wipe out, take off your leash and we can get to you quicker. These are the things that they neglected to tell us. So I get to the ski, I grab onto the guy, we go back to the boat. Everybody's like, oh my God, what happened? It looked perfect and why did you fall? And I have no idea. I don't know why I fell at all, but that was it. That was the last wave. Then it's time to go back. We're all done. And we got back to the camp and you know, I looked at the footage and the wave was perfect. There was no need to fall. I didn't need to fall. I could have just stood there. All I had to do was stand there and I would have made it. I would have come out. I would have been the hero I couldn't even have imagined to be because that's not really how I saw myself in those days. But still, I would have gotten the gnarliest wave that a female server had gotten because like I said, towins wasn't weren't a thing back then. Kayla Kenley, all these like amazing big wave surfers that I looked up to then and look up to now, like they hadn't towed in yet. This was this like crazy experience that just, I happened to be in the right place at the right time, but I didn't have the right experience. I wasn't ready. And that wave haunted me for years. Literally, I had nightmares about that wave and it wasn't about the wipeout. It was the regret. It was the having been in this opportunity and not have been able to capitalize. And as I said, for a long time, it really messed with me for years and years and years. And I never really had an opportunity to go back and redeem myself. You know, like I wasn't the one that like pursued big wave surfing. I was a competitive shortboarder. You know, I did the contest shortboarding and I just like big waves weren't really my jam. Like it wasn't, that wasn't one of those, like, I, I like a decent sized wave. Like it's not that I only like small waves, but I don't need to go surf big waves, like big giant Mavericks or Jaws or, you know, Waimea. None of that stuff ever really appealed to me. In fact, I never really liked it. I grew up surfing shore break. And even now I feel so much safer on a big wave in shallow water than I do on a big wave in deep water. I think it's just what I'm used to. And I love a hollow wave, but it doesn't have to be much more than, you know, big enough that I can stand in it. I don't need anything to be giant. So I never really put myself in a position to redeem myself, but I also just never got that opportunity. And it was really only a few years ago in learning about the nervous system that I was able to give myself grace because now I realized that, you know, I, I the way that I used to tell the story was, if you just believe in yourself, 
right? Like, you know, you're trying to like walk along, you know, a six inch curb and you have no problem walking along it because there's no consequence if you fall. But imagine now you're trying to walk along a six foot high like wall and you're going to be saying to yourself, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. Like there's consequence. So then you're like more stiff and like more freaked out. And, and I used to tell this story, like all I needed to do was believe in myself. And if I had believed in myself, I would have made it. And, and that probably would have helped if the guy hadn't been high, you know, if we had gone from one of the later waves in the set, if I'd had a better safety briefing, if I had had a little bit more experience, you know, all of those things would have helped. And maybe the outcome would have been different. If I'd faced that wave now, for example, I could have done it differently. But really what happened, it really didn't have anything to do with my self-talk. It was really about experience. It was the fact that I had never seen anything like that. And it was so overwhelming to my nervous system that I just went into a state of panic. Like my sympathetic nervous system kicked in and whether you want to call it it probably wasn't fight. So it was either on the line of flight. I'm out of here. But I think really it wasn't, I didn't dive. I kind of just crumbled. So it was a bit more of like a freeze or a fawn where my nervous system was trying to keep me safe. It's like, this is too gnarly. This is overwhelming. And therefore we are going to take ourselves out of this right now. And, and learning about that gave me so much more compassion for myself. Because as I said, I went many, many years being angry with myself, disappointed, frustrated, feeling shame that I blew it. But I didn't blow it. I didn't blow it at all. It was myself, my nervous system, trying to keep me safe. And that understanding has really been so helpful to me. But luckily, <laughs> Luckily, before that happened, before my nervous system spaz attack went down to keep me safe, they got a photo of me standing a little bit crouched in this very large barrel that was then run as a double page spread in all the men's surf magazine as an ad for OP, because that was my sponsor at the time. And the video footage was used um, in the section about me on the WB North shore boarding house reality show that I was a part of. So, you know, I got something out of it, <laughs> but really all I wanted. Oh, actually. And one other thing was Kayla Kennelly, who again is one of the, the most amazing women, big wave surfers, even now, even she's older than me. I'm not sure exactly how old she is, but she's in her later forties for sure. And she is still one of the best female big wave surfers. And it really meant so much to me because all I wanted as a young pro surfer was approval and acceptance by my peers. And Kayla commented that she heard that I was charging and like that little thing was like probably bigger than any of the other things combined. But again, it's so helpful to understand your nervous system and recognize that it's really just there to keep you safe. And you know, there's no point in having regrets. So that's my story of the time that I almost died in Tahiti. Thanks so much for listening to Second Breakfast, a podcast by Surf with Amigas. If you like what you heard, think of a surf friend who might like it too and send it their way. 
Give us a follow, rating, or review on your favorite podcast platform to make sure you won't miss the next episode and help others find us. We are all about community, so please do keep in touch and let us know your thoughts and what you'd like to hear. Find us on Instagram or sign on to surfwithamigas.com for updates and inspiration to explore retreat dates and locations. While you're there, check out our blog and join our newsletter.